better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. Kyle, what's up? You ever have one of those existential crises regarding like your technologies and electronics all at the same time? Um, maybe, but I don't, I don't think I actually know what an existential crisis. So is. I've got, I've got 3% on my phone battery. I, yeah, I just had the notification that my mouse battery for my oh. desktop is extremely low. It's very low. Connect to USB to recharge. Yeah. Right. So I'm sitting here and we're, we're just starting recording and I'm sitting here asking myself, I could get up and get one. Never mind the fact that we just started the recording and we're going to be on for the next 30 minutes. Like, what do I do? And I'm just going to reach down, white knuckle the edge of my seat and hold on tight and hope wow. for the best. We'll see how it goes. Wow. But uh, my facial expressions will tell you if things go sideways on me here. All right. Well, now you just have to think about Justin Fields, Chicago Bears quarterback. Did you see the the visor, the gold visor? He was fitted up with. Uh, so can I do? Can I say something that people are not going to like? Quarterback wearing visors is dumb. It is. You can't do it in a game. So why no, you, you can. You can wear it in a game. They're just clear. you can't see. It, it, there's there's blind spots like you reduce your ability to see so they look cool like aesthetically quarterbacks that wear visors they look awesome but why would you do something that inhibits your ability to see fully you know like with your full peripherals that you need to scan the field that, and J- Josh Allen does this he wears a visor in practice because he wants that reduced vision but he said I'll never wear it in a game because I can't see so why are we doing this because it looks good. You got to look good to play good. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no question. You do look good. Just, Justin Fields with the gold slash orange visor that matches the Bears color is a top one quarterback in the NFL just off of aesthetics alone. Like he looks badass. Now, doubt he's going to wear it. Game, I don't think you can wear visors if you can't see the eyes i think that's like a concussion head injury type rule i'm not sure if that's still in place or not but uh i don't think we'll ever see it in the game which is a damn shame but nevertheless looks like a badass i mean kyler wears the visor right yeah but is it is it i'm looking at fully mirrored and reflective or is it just a visor with like a a red tint it's kind of a red tint a little red tint yeah that's fine i mean kyler can't see anyway so what difference does it make to him no you know Shuby's clapping. Everybody thinks Shuby doesn't like the Cardinals anyways, and so now they know. Now he's just fully bought in. Embrace the heel. (laughs) So we're giving Justin Fields the same treatment we did. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. We are going to assess the situation that they are entering. What does that infrastructure look like for this quarterback in year one? And we're going to assess the coaching, the quarterback room, the offensive line, the run game, the pass catchers and the defense uh, scored on a scale of one to five. A one is a fail. A five is they got it perfect. And a three is average. So those are the categories. That's the scale. Justin Fields is the quarterback. And Kyle, let's start with the coaching go. situation. All right. So their head coach is Matt Nagy. I've, I've scrolled too far down my notes. And so I'm all, I'm in the wrong oh, no. spot here. I mean, okay. Their coach, the head coach is Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator 
Bill Lazor, quarterback coach, John Filippo. Of course, Matt Nagy coming up with Andy Reid was with him from 2008 to 2017. Nagy was in Kansas City for Patrick Mahomes' rookie season. Got to see that whole process. Obviously, John Filippo, Carson Wentz's quarterback coach as a rookie in 2016, and then Bill Lazor, 15 years in the league. Some experience Lazor. as an offensive coordinator and uh, a lot of time as a quarterback coach. So I think there's a lot of experience here. There's a lot of experience with young, high-profile quarterbacks. So I I think this looks pretty good to me. I'm scoring it at a three and a half. I think slightly above average. My concern is, you know, obviously they didn't pick Trubisky, but they also didn't develop Trubisky. And maybe that's not all on the coaching. But um, you know, they're they're looking to kind of to marry this thing together and get it right for Justin. Yeah, I also gave it a three and a half. Um we gave the Shanahan group yesterday a four, or I did. Um yeah, same. And that was mainly rooted in there's the guy we'll talk about tomorrow that that's the top tier when you consider his offensive coordinator and his head coach and so on and so forth. So I don't like this group as much as the Shanahan group, but I still think it's a firm group. Uh, I scored the Jacksonville group as a three. So this is a higher graded group than that. Um, just behind by a half a point, the San Francisco group like, group, like you mentioned, a lot of hands-on experience with young quarterbacks. There's been some notable success working with young guys in years past, um, but that top shelf accolades is kind of the missing link. Uh, so they've been yeah. affiliated with successful programs. They've been affiliated with successful quarterback development, but their ability to do it and apply it themselves has not fully materialized yet and therefore three and a half just behind the Shanahan group for me yeah I think that's a good justification like we like this but we don't like it more than what Shanahan right has in place for, right for trailing the quarterback room Kyle in addition to Justin Fields it's Andy Dalton and Nick Foles your thoughts so this is a career journeyman, if you will, in, in Nick Foles. I mean, he, he's been an established quarterback in Philadelphia on two separate occasions. Uh, but the second time around, even when he won a Super Bowl, he was the de facto backup quarterback, but he quarterbacked them to a Super Bowl win. So he's been to the top of the mountain as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's bounced around the league. He has had very limited success outside of Philadelphia, so he knows the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um and then you have Andy Dalton, who played for a long struggling franchise in Cincinnati and quarterback that team to a lot of success. Uh, despite the fact that they never won a playoff game, they were persistently a 10 11 win team there in the heart of Andy Dalton's peak and prime. But having both of those guys in this room alongside Justin Fields is a really nice boost. And they've been very transparent or at least claim to be transparent, that Justin Fields is not going to be the starting quarterback right. right off the jump. It's going to be Andy Dalton, so it removes some of that pressure. I have a great deal of respect for this room. I gave it a four and a half. I don't think it's perfect, but uh, the fact that you have two really highly experienced quarterbacks for him to be around and you don't have the pressure of him coming in right away, four and a half for me. I also gave it a four and a half. Uh you, you laid it out there really well in terms of the experience and the situations that both of these guys have been in. You have to think that both have embraced where they are in their careers as mm-hmm. not preferred starters. Like they're, they're going to embrace backup roles and, and what comes with that at this point in their career is being that 
that guy that's willing to mentor and take a young quarterback under their wing. So I like I like where they're at in their careers. Maybe if you want to poke a hole here, you wish that there was some other young arm that maybe had a year or two of experience in the NFL that maybe could be a little bit more relatable for for Fields because, I mean, these guys are, what, 10-plus years older than Fields. There's not going to be a lot of, like, personal relatability, I think. You know, like, I remember listening to Steve Smith talk about his relationship with Cam Newton, and they were like, hey, are you guys, like, tight? Are you guys friends? And they're like, no, we're not. Like, we're, we're not. We don't have anything in common, right? Like, I'm a grown man with alike, kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's Cam's young young man out here in the city. Like we have different lives, you know. We 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 play on the same team, we we work together, but there's not a real lot of relatability. So I think if I had to poke a hole, and I'm stretching a little bit, that's probably what I would say. But collectively, I, I think they have done a good job, and maybe maybe partly not because they want to. There's a lot of money invested here in Dalton and Foles, right? Like maybe they didn't think they would be able to get Justin Fields. They had to trade up for him, right? That wasn't a guarantee. And then Foles, they kind of got stuck with based on the deal that they made, right? So some of this might not be by choice, but I do think at the end of the day, it works out very, very well for Justin Fields in year one. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the, the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and save money. When you use rockauto.com, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. You have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. All right, so now it's time to take a gander at this offensive line. Interesting group here, and and I don't know that we we fully know who the starter is at many positions, right? I think James Daniels yeah. is one of the guards, right? Cody Whitehair is probably the center. Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, Afedi at right guard, maybe Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle. Does Sam Mustafer factor into this equation? Um, hey, you know, your guy I, I Alex Bars. Alex Bars is somehow making a reference for the second time this week on the podcast. Like, seriously, man, I, I don't know how this fits together. I think we have an idea, but outside of Daniels at guard, probably left guard and, and white hair at center, and Daniels has been injured a lot, right? Like, there's not a lot of known things here with this group, and that's kind of concerning. Right. So I think that's the concern is that if you take everybody for what they can be from a potential standpoint, this group's okay. You know, this group has we were we were both very excited about Tevin Jenkins as a prospect coming out uh, before he slipped into the early second round. James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, if those guys are healthy, they're above average starting interior offensive lineman at the NFL level, right? So you've got that working for you. Uh, Jermaine Effetti has been an experienced player, if nothing else, and the fact that he's playing inside and no longer playing tackle as a former first round pick, like. Okay, cool. He's on the Eric Flowers plan. Like, <laughs> you, you're, you'll live and die with with the highs and lows, and understand that he's probably going to be your fourth best offensive lineman. Uh, but you can have him for cheap, and he's experienced, and he's got the traits that more often than not he's going to be okay in there. 
Uh, and then Elijah Wilkinson has had some flashes. Obviously, he's coming over from Denver for them, and I don't think they're going to rely on Larry Borum, who they drafted in the fifth mm-hmm. round. I'd be stunned if they go with two rookie tackles. Uh, but I really don't see any other option to play left tackle other than Tevin Jenkins. It has to be Tevin Jenkins right. at left tackle with this roster. So if you take all that and you say they're going to be the best versions of themselves, you can say we're pretty solid from left guard over and then we've got a rookie, but that's really risky. And then you you get into the depth issue and uh, Borm, who they did draft in the fifth round, they clearly saw something in. And, and Sam Mustafer has had, uh, I believe he started – he more than half game. the season, uh, yeah. more than half the season last year for them. Yep, got some runs. So you at least have a little bit of experience, but I'm not enamored with the depth. And as you said, there's kind of some question marks here, particularly on the perimeter with the tackles. That you better hope it works out because if it doesn't, then it could be pretty problematic for them. Scores? I'm going one and a half, Kyle. Really? Yeah, I thought about this being a two. But the fact that I, I I can't really identify a lot of the positions here. I think you're counting on you're counting on growth from players, right? Like James Daniels, and you know maybe Sam Mustafer can be a starting guard or bars. And like, Elijah Wilkinson's been a player that he started a lot of games in Denver, but not because they wanted him to, right? Like Juwan James couldn't stay healthy. You don't have I'm any just, idea. I'm, I'm just surprised that that guard through guard doesn't move the needle for you at all. To the point where you gave him a one and a half. I I, ca- I guess I care a lot more about a tackle. I mean, even Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, he played right in college. He's not necessarily a swift-footed guy either, you know? Like, right. I don't know, man. I'm not high in this group. I gave him a two and a half. I do think they are below average. Um, for context, two and a half is the lowest I've given out for an offensive line thus far. I gave Jacksonville a three, uh, the Jets a three and a half, and San Francisco a four. So yeah, this is significantly the lowest I've given out an offensive yeah, line. Yeah. So I, I think it's the worst group that we've done thus far. Um, but I look at the guard through guard and I look at the potential of Tevin Jenkins and I say, okay, like there's enough redeeming qualities here where I acknowledge that this is not an ideal situation. I acknowledge you wish you had more depth. I acknowledge you wish you had a better option at right tackle or alternatively a better option at left tackle so that you could just play Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. I acknowledge all those things exist. I know this is a, a not an ideal situation, but I think there's enough redeeming qualities here where provided they stay healthy, or if you take one injury on the interior, you can take it in stride. So two and a half, worst offensive line group we've covered thus far. And spoiler alert, it's going to be the worst offensive line we do because oh, it's definitely not patience. better than what we right. had, right? right? So, yeah. So I, I got them at two and a half. Why don't you take us into run game here? Sure. Run game is um, David Montgomery, who was in the top five in rushing yards last year for the NFL. Uh, He came on strong down the back half of the season. I know that because I had a bet with Brian Perez uh, about David Montgomery and how many yards per carry he was going to have and so on and so forth. And To his credit, he performed very well down the stretch. Uh, And he's a very dense physical runner, a lot of run after contact as far as breaking tackles and contact balance was his claim to fame at Iowa State. And I think you look at what they do have in the run game with the offensive line with Tevin Jenkins and his ability to be a mauler, right? And, and James Daniels and Cody Whitehair 
and the pure mass and length of Jermaine Effetti on the interior. And I think there's some stickiness here. I think this is a sufficient group. And then that doesn't even get into Damian Williams, who came over from Kansas City. They drafted Khalil Herbert in the sixth round this year. Uh, Tariq Cohen is here as kind of a change of pace back when he is healthy. I gave it a three. Uh, I think it's about average, sufficient. Obviously, Montgomery and his rushing totals as an individual was towards the top of the league last year. But I think this isn't just, hey, how productive was your running back, right? It's Mm -hmm. how good's your offensive line, how consistent is your offensive line, how deep is your running back group, can you reliably convert third and shorts or down near the the end zone uh, in the red zone as far as converting those run opportunities to punch it into the end zone. I gave it a three. Uh, I almost gave it a three and a half. I think it's it's sufficient, but it's not really anything that's stellar or leaps out off the page at me. So if there is something that I do like about this offensive line, it is the run blocking. I think they got a bunch of guys here that can move bodies, and that helps. And I do kind of like the makeup of this running back room where Montgomery feels like he's a, a feature back type player. Mm-hmm. You have a really nice complimentary skill set in Cohen Williams I think fits well obviously but he's a veteran that has played in some big moments obviously with Kansas City and I like the young player in Cole here Herbert uh so to me I give this a three like it's middle it's average it's okay I don't know that this is going to be something that they can rely on week in and week out and and say all right we we know we'll be able to run the football right and so just kind of build from there but I think it's it's not something that's going to be a hindrance to the success and development right. Uh, right. of Justin Fields. So a solid three for me. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so next up is pass catchers. Obviously, the 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 presence of Allen Robinson is a big deal here, a, a know-how player that's been productive with a wide range of quarterbacks. I think that's a dream-type weapon to have as a rookie quarterback in year one. Darnell Mooney, a speedster that came on nicely for them last year, kind of a draft steal. And then, you know, Anthony Miller is still here. You could tell they wanted to find some speed, right? It was kind of missing last year with, 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 the, with the group. They brought in Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. Cole Komet at tight end in year two. Jimmy Graham is alive and playing for the Chicago Bears. I think they want to throw the ball a little bit to uh, Tariq Cohen. I like what Khalil Herbert can bring in the in the passing game a little bit as well. So I, I what what's curious to me about this group is I don't know I don't know that the roles are easy to define, right? I, you don't look at this and feel like all right, this is exactly what this person's going to do and that's how he's going to fit into this offense. There's a lot of players that I think more of as slot type players. Some of the guys that they have as outside players like Javon Williams hasn't really developed like I maybe hoped he would or Chicago hoped that he would uh so that brings it down a little bit uh, and I still like this tight end situation I know they've invested a lot in it and I think Cole Komet's a good player but what's he going to deliver in year two is he ready to be at least an average tight end I don't know 
So to me, I give this a 2.75, just a tick below average collectively. Really? Yeah, really. We- Another three quarters decimal. Oh, you're mad place. about that? Not the great. Yeah. The two, no, okay. no. It's yeah. I mean, I gave him a three and a half just because Allen Robinson is. You look at what Jacksonville has, what the New York Jets have, what San Francisco has, Allen Robinson, and even what New England has. Allen Robinson is comfortably the best receiver that any rookie quarterback is going to have to throw to this year. Would you disagree with that? No, and I, I don't think that's close. Like it's far it's and away. Close. Yeah. So I think that for me helps mask the fact that the rest of their group, I agree, is guys that ideally are playing in the slot. The Darnell Mooney's, Anthony Miller's, Demir Birds of the World, right? Like those guys are ideally guys who are your third option in the passing game. Uh, but the fact that you have Allen Robinson as a volume guy who can take 150 targets in the passing game, no questions asked, and you'd probably still be underfeeding him the football. Uh, and everything that he can do for you is a really exciting blend. So I gave him a three and a half because of the presence of Allen Robinson. But I think the back out of the backfield with Tariq Cohen, uh, I do think Cole Komet as the Ohio State offense didn't really use the tight end, but that's more so by design. I don't think that's necessarily something I'm going to hold against Justin Fields. I think Komet, uh, has a high floor as a player. I think he's ready for a little bit more of a prominent role in the receiving game. I liked him coming out. I thought he was valued appropriately when they drafted him. Um, but that presence of Allen Robinson is enough for me to say, hey, he's got an in-case-of-emergency break glass, throw it to this guy, and that's more than any of the other quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones can say. And that's no disrespect to... Uh, the Brandon Ayukes and Debo Samuels of the world, or the the Corey Davises of the world, or the DJ Charks of the world, uh, or probably for New England, you're probably talking about the tight ends with Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. But it's just Allen Robinson's on a different level. And because of that, it helps me buy more into this group, understanding that the rest of the other pieces are kind of interchangeable. But he's still got that guy at the top. Let me introduce a layer to this discussion. And I'm fresh off of watching Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. And when you think about the types of receivers that Justin Fields is is used to throwing to, yeah, I would say both Wilson and Olave are above average route runners. And Allen Robinson is a very stylistically different receiver. And so and I know, look, I know Robinson is produced with the Blake Bortles and Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's of the world, like all credit in the world for what he's been able to do to this point. But how do you think he he matches up with what we've seen from Justin Fields? Well, I I don't think he was dependent on space to throw the football. Now, those guys created some room, particularly down the field or, yeah. or Garrett Wilson in the slot, uh, but they manufactured a lot of throws. And, and I would kind of counter that those players do exist with particularly Darnell Mooney and, and you know his mm-hmm. skill set is that kind of player. I don't think his ceiling's quite as high and that the NFL would seem to agree. They drafted Mooney in the fifth round mm-hmm. uh, versus the perception of, of Olave and Garrett Wilson. But you watched him hit tight window throws. You watched oh, I, him hold yeah. the ball Most in the pocket. in the draft. I've said yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I go back and, and look at the the touchdown pass he threw to Jeremy Ruckert in the semifinal game 
against uh, Clemson that had just coverage draped all over him, and he put it on the opposite shoulder away from the leverage of the defender uh, on a little hook or curl and threaded the needle. So he's capable of tight window throws, and he's also shown he's willing to stand in and stare down the barrel when it's going to be tight and he's got the arm strength to make it work. So is he going to willingly be lobbing him up back shoulder style? Maybe not, but he's shown good accuracy and touch that think of the touchdown he threw to Chris Olave against Joey Porter jr. For the opening score against Ohio against Penn state, right? Where he put it six inches directly over the top of the helmet of Joey Porter jr. Because he had his back turned and said, he's not going to see the ball coming because they're, they're going to face guard him. And Olave's going to adjust and make a play on the ball, and I'm going to use my accuracy to put it in here when I know, to borrow the phrase from J.T. O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. if your back with your shoulders, That's right? right. If your back is to the quarterback, you can only guard the width of your shoulders against a receiver in man coverage. And Justin Fields showed that kind of processing power. So I think it's a good, fair point to make, but I look at the way in which – Justin Fields and the number of ways in which Justin Fields adjusted his play in certain uh, game situations at Ohio State, and I'm comfortable with it. I think if anything, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Demir Bird. I know the production hasn't really been there, but like I like the way he plays the game. And I, Anthony Miller at Memphis, I, we were both high in him coming out. Like maybe the, Fields is going to be good for those players to come out and, and be yeah. the best version of themselves. And I know that they. Bears fans would love nothing more than to see Anthony Miller emerge in this offense. Which brings us to the defense. And boy, they got some talent. They do. It's about the front seven specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, And then the free safety situation. They have a great deal of talent. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Danny Trevathan's here. Like they they got some horses in the front seven that that are pretty ferocious group. Um, obviously they'll they'll miss Fuller in the secondary. Uh, they brought in Desmond Trufant from Detroit. They hmm. drafted Jalen Johnson in the second round. Um, Eddie Jackson is a, a huge standout. Expecting a big bounce back from him as far as manufacturing turnovers. I like a lot about this group, but somebody said something funny, and I was the only one talking. So what happened here? No, I I was just making a noise when you mentioned Desmond Trufant because I feel like for as much as they have up front and, and Roquan at linebacker and Trevathan is is a running mate. I think is a nice player. That Gibson that's the and, top corner. Yeah, man. Like this corner situation has me nervous. <laughs> Jalen, even look. I mean, he's he's year two type player. Injury history is somewhat concerning. You know, Pagano's well, no longer even, here. Coordinator. I didn't even get into Artie Burns here on the roster. Oh God, <laughs> dude! If Artie Burns is on the field, like that's a liability. Like he, he's he's been such a disaster. So, what do you think about this uh, coordinator, uh, Sean? Is it Desai? Thirty-eight years old, first-time coordinator in the NFL. He's been their safety coach the last two years. And he was the uh, quality control coach from 2013 to 2018 in Chicago. So I'm guessing a lot of Fangio principles, but he ain't Fangio. Right. But 
continuity. So you're not changing the vocabulary, yeah, right? Helpful. And it's, yep. it's everything's you, you should be able to play fast because you're not asking yourself the question about, you know, what's the call or how do we apply it or what concepts at play here? So I think it's something to watch, but Chicago, they, they experienced, they had a, a, an opt out from Eddie Goldman, which hurt them. That's going to be a big uh, boost. Yeah. He'll be back and that, that'll be huge for them up front. Uh, Eddie Jackson had a down season. So there's enough here that I think this is a really likable group. I gave it a three and a half. You know, I didn't same thing. I didn't put them on the same plane. And again, this is doing this comparatively and seeing what you gave other other teams. I gave San Francisco four on defense. I was not comfortable giving the same grade to both of those units, but at the same time, we're readily acknowledging that you've got some game changers up front between Hicks, Mac, potentially Robert Quinn, Eddie Goldman in the run game, Roquan Smith on the set. Like you got a lot of game changers or potential game changers up front. This is an above-average unit, and if they even had one more proven commodity that you felt good about going into 2021 at the corner group, I probably would have given it a four. Uh, but they're a little too short there at corner for me, so I gave them a three and a half. Same thought process, three and a half for me. So what is this, what is this total for you? I have 18.25. 20 and a half. So, Chris, turns out I am not the stingy grader that we thought I might be on Monday because I believe I had a higher grade on the Jets. Yeah, I believe we were narrowly – I think we were divided by one point in San Francisco with you being higher. You had 24, right? I had 24 on Lance, yeah. Yeah, I had 23. And now I'm two points higher on Chicago than you are. Wow. How much higher on Lawrence? I had 19.75 on Lawrence. Uh, 16 and a half. It's a pretty, that's a pretty big gap in, when you think about these margins. Joseph, so, I have a clerical error that I need to fix with oh you. Oh, no. Your turn. Yep. Three Draft. and a half for coaching. Yep. Draft dudes do math. Four and a half for quarterback room. Yep. One and a half for offensive line. That's right. Three for run game. Yeah, you're, uh, yep, you're right. 2.75 for pass catchers. Yep, you got me. Okay. And three and a half for defense. That adds up to 18.75, not 18.25. I'm I'm cross checking my notes. I had, I had one, I was a half a point off on one thing that I had down. So, So, Joe, do you have this all in a Google sheet right now? Yes, I do. I need you to do me a favor and highlight the columns for Lawrence through Fields and tell me your cumulative score. For all four of those guys combined. 74 and a half. 73 and a half. So we've assigned almost the exact same amount of points out of a possible 120. Mac Jones is going to look good. Spoiler. Like, I think he's going to score pretty well here. You just wish the uh, the physical tools right. were higher. Right. right. He's going to like be the they had a really list. nice situation here for a quarterback. <laughs> He's going to be the ultimate limit, limits test. Uh, it's going to be unreal. No, imagine they would have gone up and got Justin Fields to, to succeed Cam Newton. Thank God they didn't as, as rival because fans. Because they, they got jumped by Chicago. Yeah. Not to spoil too much, but I've already put in a number on uh, your guys' sheets for, to, for Mac Jones tomorrow. So what's the What are you setting the over-under at? 
I'm not going to give you a single reaction in my face to, to tip this off. It would probably be 18 and a half. Okay. Joe made her look. I saw a look. He did. I couldn't he did help myself. I couldn't yeah. help myself. I'll tell you tomorrow what I think of that 18 and a half <laughs> over under. Good family fun here on Draft Dudes. One more show this week. So hit subscribe, follow along. Mac Jones conversation tomorrow. We got some great concepts coming up between now and the start of the preseason, which is just around the corner. NFL earlier this week released their uh, national broadcast schedule. So uh, we hope you see your team plenty of times in the preseason. Our first preseason football since 2019. Here for so, it, ready. Give it absolutely it. positively I ready. I want to see late run draft picks on a damn field, man, so bad. Right. I'm going to be watching like the 10 p.m. Saturday broadcast oh, of a West Coast week one preseason game. I'm going to be glued to every second of it. Can't wait. You can bet your bottom dollar. We hope you are glued to the edge of your seat here on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Friday.